Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. Do make sure that you are receiving the weekly e-newsletter I only send to you once a week. On my podcast website, nhte.net, pop your email address into the sign-up box and join the others from not only the U.S., but other countries who are getting information about the latest podcast episode and some exclusives in their inbox every Wednesday. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Macon, Georgia, my guest is an award-winning guitarist, songwriter, singer, composer, producer, radio and TV personality, music columnist, educator, and sound engineer. He was featured on a Christmas song that came out last month and was also featured on a single that was released in July. He is the subject of a mini-documentary that came out a year and a half ago that talks about his blindness and other medical challenges and his perseverance in life and music. He recently toured the UK and will be releasing a new album in 2023. He was a guest on this show approximately three years ago, back on episode 310. You've been hearing a song of his called You Know My Name. Welcome back to Now Hear This Entertainment, Joey Stuckey. Oh, Bruce, it's so good to be in your company again, my friend. Likewise, likewise. So great to have you back on the show. I know we're going to have a lot of fun and cover a lot of ground, but let's start off first by having you share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called You Know My Name. Yeah, you know, I really enjoyed this song, and I think as many of your guests have probably uh, lamented in the past, (laughs) it's not often that your artistic vision is fully realized in a song mm. you take a little twist to the left a little twist to the right and, and you come up with something that was that was similar to what you initially envisioned but but different and that's actually not a bad thing um but what what was so exciting for me about this track was that it turned out 100 percent the way i initially envisioned it when i had the inspiration to write it mm. and it was so effortless um i just knew what i wanted i knew how to get it and it just happened and literally everything, you know, one take and we were done. Wow. And it just came together. And I think as we get longer in our journey or further in our journey as artists, we start being able to tap into our authentic selves a little bit easier. Mm. And uh, so for me, that was a great, a real great joy uh, about this song is that I was like, hey, I want this certain vibe. And I did my job well as a producer and a band leader because I clearly communicated what I wanted. And they all understood what I wanted without me having to tell them three or four different times. And, you know, I always, I always leave a little room for improvisation um, yeah. and for, for accidental magic to happen. Mm. In this case, we didn't really need it because, you know, the, the concept was clear and clean and, and articulated and, and it happened. I mean, I wanted that kind of Memphis horn sound. And I mean, we got it. I feel, um, uh, I think the horns really added a lot without being, distracting or taking over I, I i thought that that worked out really well uh the drum sound was everything i wanted it was kind of in your face and, and and you know been pretty rich in the low end um you know and, and the vocals were everything i wanted them to be I, I felt like you got a chance to see that my voice was fairly expressive and and able to communicate a bit of sarcasm and a, and a bit of tongue-in-cheek mm. you know uh, uh things that i that i like in my music that makes me happy Okay, but to that point, though, because I was talking over it, make sure let's have you share with the audience what the song is actually about since they couldn't hear the lyrics with me doing the intro. Yeah, good point, good point. So, you know, uh, the the song is, it's called You Know My Name, and it really almost means you know my secret, you know my secret heart, and you know how to manipulate me. And, you know, there's this wonderful thing in fantasy and science fiction and even in some, uh, some religions that names have power. And, uh, and so um, this is kind of the idea that, uh, you know, you know who I am down to my very soul 
and you know exactly what buttons to push to get me to do what you want. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, if you take that initial kernel of an idea and follow it to its logical conclusion, uh, the song is about a relationship that, that is clearly not uh, equal. Uh, it, it's a relationship that is probably not healthy, mm. and you're aware of that but you just don't care because you're being manipulated so expertly. <laughs> and, and, and so that's, that's, but, it, but it's, you know, it's, that's, that's kind of a sad, serious subject in a way, yeah. but I feel, I feel like I made it kind of fun as well. Um, you know, and, and so I, I kind of enjoyed that. And, 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 you know, I did, I did the, there's two little guitar solos in there that I, that I think are pretty cool. And uh, I, I like the note choices. I like the feel, I like the, the tone. And then I should really, really plug this. One of my favorite musicians, one of my heroes, and a great Georgia legend is Mr. Randall Bramlett. And Randall is a sax player, a singer-songwriter, and a, a, a keyboard player extraordinaire. And he, he played some amazing B3 organ on that track and just made it swampy and bluesy and good and just uh, such a gritty gritty feel added that grit to it that i really wanted i like it and you know and the thing is he's one of my heroes and he has been a dear friend to me a mentor to me and you know was one of the people early in my career to recognize that i was doing something you know legitimate with my career mm. and uh, has always been really supportive and, and and great to me and uh dear to my heart because when i got married in 2003 he was one of the few people that sent me a gift that I had picked out on my wedding registry. Uh, most of them were gifts for my wife, theoretically <laughs> couples, theoretically couples gifts. Um, but he sent me the hundred dollar teapot that I wanted. <laughs> ah. <laughs> so again, you know, very dear to me for a lot of reasons. Yeah. But anyway, uh, but he's incredible. And you know, if, if you don't know his name, you really should. But if you don't, I'll, let me just say this and we'll move on. Uh, he has played with Steve Winwood. He has played with Traffic. He's played with Greg Allman and Friends. Mm. He was in a, a really wonderful band called Sea Level. He's had a number of records on his own on several different, you know, really exciting record labels. Uh, and two of his songs have been recorded by Bonnie Raitt. Wow. So um, he, he is just uh, an incredible person. Fantastic. And, and I'm honored to have him on that track. Yeah. So, you know, you should check that track out for a lot of reasons. No doubt. No doubt. While we're talking about specific songs, I mentioned in the intro that you were featured on a Christmas song that came out last month. That is called What I Want for Christmas. Plus, you were featured on a single that came out in July by Tamara Wilson, a song called Why. What are those two songs in terms of featuring you? Vocals, guitar, both? Yes. Yeah, so on these, um, the, both those uh, people... Well, so the, the bulk of my living is made as a producer and recording engineer and session musician. That's that's probably, I don't know, 60% of what I do. Uh, and I own a commercial recording facility. That's, you know, I have a, a big studio, have a grand piano and all this stuff. So, you know, it's a, it's a big space. And and um, we can talk about this later, but I'm, I'm building a new space mm. uh, that, will, that will be ready 2024-ish. <laughs> so, uh, but it's a massive undertaking. And, and it's, it's, you know, it's just this big thing. But anyway, um, what, so what I do a lot of times is, you know, I work at, on other people's records and help them bring their vision to fruition. And that is a great joy for me. So on the Christmas tune, uh, this is a, a, an amazing, talented friend of mine named Pamela Bedwell. Uh, she often brands herself as the Pammy Cakes Ensemble. So you may, <laughs> God knows how you spell that. I'm spelling as my crypt as a blind man. Spelling is my kryptonite, really. Spelling in geography. Um, but 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 Pammy Cakes Ensemble. You'll find some of her stuff under that. You'll find some of it under Pamela Bedwell. But at any rate. Um, she had a she had a Christmas tune, and uh, she she really you know I produced a whole record for her back in 2018, and and it was a lot of fun and, and she's just an incredible songwriter. I'll tell you how amazing she is. I I had her on a podcast uh, with me one time uh, for a project I had done called the Making Music CD Volume One, and then I did a Making Music CD, vol CD Volume Two. And that's making as in making Georgia M A C O N. <laughs> That's it. You got it. Not making like, like, like making. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. So I, I hope I cleared that up. Uh, so anyway, um, but, but that project was to highlight 
bands in town that were very talented, but didn't have money to record a record or to uh, produce CDs and stuff like that. So hmm. we had a, a project that we did with a local nonprofit, uh. Uh, and and we we had a contest for people to be on the record. And anyway, so we were promoting that record. And she was on a podcast with me, and it's just this incredible singer songwriter. And I, as a joke, because I you know I had a had a brain tumor, so I have a hole in my brain literally. And so I just sort of I'd say things without thinking, really, Bruce, if you, can, <laughs> if you can imagine. And I said to her, "Hey, you know, you're such a great songwriter. You could write a song about a stale burrito, and it'd be good." And two weeks later, she came back with a song, "Stale Burrito." And I kid you not, go and look it up. It's an amazing song. But back to the Christmas, I, I digressed a bit there. But back but to the Christmas thing, she she wanted me to produce this Christmas song for her, which she's actually made a, into a children's book as well. So it's mm. a single but also a book that you can buy on her on her website. Interesting. And uh, so she wanted me to produce it. So in this instance, um, I was the recording engineer. I was the producer. Now, for those of you that don't know what a producer does, a lot of people say they're producers, and it's kind of a nebulous thing kind of. But a producer is someone that helps you make strategic decisions. In my mind, a producer is someone that helps you make budgetary decisions. Uh, a producer is someone that helps you uh, – to a limited degree have a plan for after the record is over. So, you know, so a, a, a limited, uh, you know, chat about, are you going to do a radio campaign? Are you going to, you know, what are you going to do? Uh, and maybe connect you with some people that can help. That's, that's how I feel about it. I'm not saying everybody feels that way, but that's, that's what I think because you make a great record and then what happens next? That's kind of where a lot of things fall by the wayside. Uh, and then, a producer, of course, makes a lot of musical decisions. Uh, the producer chooses the session musicians uh, and chooses the kind of tone that you're going to have for the record and, and, and ha makes all these uh, you know, different choices and, and helps the artist to do that because that's not the artist's expertise, typically. The producer helps the artist get a good vocal take. You know, I, I, I feel like the producer should really get to know the artist well and know so that I know when I'm getting the best out of them and when I'm not. You know, I so I can say to them, hey, you know, that was good, but I've heard you do better. I yeah. think we can do better. Let's save this take and let's try this. Maybe maybe relax a little more or maybe, you know, just different things. I'll, because I'm a singer, too. I'll say, you know, maybe maybe drop your jaw a little bit more. Get a little uh, bit more on your tone. You know, all these little subtleties. OK, but let me jump in here for a minute, because having yeah. heard all that. So all of those things don't seem to be consistent with we see so many songs that get released where it'll say the artist's name, and then in parentheses, featuring so-and-so, and it usually means someone who is like a guest vocalist on the song. So that's right. after having heard you rattle off that list, I go, well, that's just a producer credit. So why did she release this song as what I want for Christmas, parentheses, featuring Joey Stuckey? Right. So it, it, the, the, the excellent answer to your question is I also played all the guitars and all the bass. Wow. Um, so, so I, I'm, I'm her, I'm sort of her guest artist. And to be honest with you, um, what she did there was strategically smart because, uh, she now has my fans. It will show up if they search me and my fans can go, Oh, Joey played on this song. Let me, maybe I'll give it a listen. I like that. So I recommend to everyone, if you've got a musician with a good pedigree on your record, Listen as a featured artist. I think I that's like a that. really smart decision. Yeah, and actually, I was thinking before when you were saying, I'm not quite sure how you would spell it, Tammy Cakes Ensemble, ha, ha, ha. I thought, well, I know how to find it because when I looked up Joey Stuckey on iTunes, I saw that song there. Right. So it didn't matter that I don't know how to spell her stage name because you're right. If people are just looking up Joey Stuckey, and I was going to say that as a housekeeping note for the audience anyways, if you want to go and look for this song, just look up Joey Stuckey. Yeah. So that's a great, great tip that you're giving out there. Yeah, it's one that I recommend a lot, and it's one that I employ myself. Um, so, you know, one of, one of the things I do is, is um, I'm sort of a bit of a branding expert, and uh, I, I went to college for two different things. I went to college for music, and then I went to college for marketing. And, you know, I think the marketing degree has honestly served me better in, in some ways. But it really is about um, leveraging what you have now to get what you want later. Mm. And if you've got someone that has more credibility, more exposure than you do, I mean, you, you, you really need to not only honor their gift to you of their participation, but also use that to, to draw attention to what you're doing. 
So was that the case with, with Tamara Wilson with her song Why that came out in July? Was that a same blueprint? Yeah, same same blueprint. I, I, I had the same role of producer. Uh, in that case, I played everything uh, everything on that song except the vocals. Wow. Uh, but I but I have so I have to say uh, I didn't now now that song I did not mix. She has a she has a sort of a team together and has a mix engineer that that she's been using and that's I mean that's totally fine. I mean normally I record it and mix it and master it, uh, do all that stuff you know for the for the project and I kind of like that in a way like. I feel I feel there are two different ways to think about it. I think both are reasonable. If you have a different person recording it, a different person mixing it, a different person mastering it, in one way you can say, well, there's an advantage there because I'm getting fresh ears on it every time, right? And that that can be very powerful. In another way, you say, well, gosh, I want the same person to do all of those things because they've been with me from the beginning and help shape the vision and, and understand intimately what I'm going for. Yeah. I think I think both are true. And I think it just depends on on the song and what you need. But at any rate, she has a mastering and a, and a mixing engineer. Uh, but I played all the um, all the drums, all the guitars, all the bass, and and did the arrangement. And and I am featured. I will say uh, she gave me a lot of guitar solos mm. in that song, <laughs> which which is always exciting for me as a guitar player that you can never have too much guitar. So um, I felt like you know her initial vision. For that song was a little bit more electric guitar, a little bit bluesier, because I certainly have a, a, a you know a reputation of being a blues guitar player. Um, but when I heard it, I said I said nylon string guitar. That's and and I appreciate her letting me run with that, and uh, and because it was a little different than what we initially talked about. But she let me run with a nylon string guitar, and it has a I think it has a really wistful. Um, romantic vibe that I that I really enjoyed putting together on that track. And yeah, initially a little different than what we initially you know, thought about. Uh, but that and there's several records, uh, lots and lots of records that I've been doing that you know are not finished and or you know um, didn't list me as a featured uh, uh, you know uh, guest artist or whatever that's gotcha. out there as well. Gotcha. Uh, and we're, we're you know we, we these things you know people have other lives outside the studio. Hard for me to imagine, but. <laughs> it is true. And, and so sometimes, you know, especially if you're not a musician full time, um, you know, it, it honestly is a real blessing and a real sign of achievement. If you can be a musician full time or if you can be an artist full time, yeah. let's, let's go there. Because, you know, a lot of people that are talented artists have to do it as a side hustle. Like I have a, an amazing rock band that I've produced a record for um, that, you know, we had to had to take a year off because they had some things in their family they had to deal with, and you know, and so the the project just kind of sat for a while, and so we're now, it, it we're now just getting back to finishing things up. We had mm. it probably seventy five percent complete, mm. and you know, we were getting ready to do the last little, the last few overdubs, and then start mixing and all that kind of stuff. And uh, but it's it's a cool record. I'm excited for it to come out. There's a lot of neat things, and and one of the things about that record that's so exciting for me, the band's called Iron Smith. Um, and uh, one of the neat things about it for me was that the guy who is the singer has a steel plate in his jaw. Wow. And, uh, and so we were having some issues with vocal articulation mm. and, uh, I, I said to him, look, let's stop. I want you to come back and re-sing the, the record in, in two or three, I can't remember how many, it was two weeks or three weeks or it may have been a month, but anyway, we, we paused. And I said, I'm going to give you these exercises because I, I, uh. I teach vocal, I teach voice as well. And I, I'm going to give you these exercises and I want you to go home and just work on these exercises and, you know, work on them. I believe in short focus practice periods several times a day, building up muscle memory. And, uh, and so I do that and come back and, you know, I'm, I'm going to be hard on you because your lyrics are so good that, they must be understood mm. I don't want people to go, what did he say? Wow. And, and I said, so we're going to do some rehab. And, and let me tell you, I mean, it came back, you know, 80% better. It was, it, it just, it was a joy because it was so good. I feel like we got all the potential out of it. And he's, he's a good singer, you know, yeah. he's a great singer. It's just that, you know, he has a steel plate. In his jaw. And I said, I said, have you done any vocal therapy? You know, and cause, cause for me, That'd be the first thing I, you know, if yeah. I, when my voice is, when my voice isn't working, 
I, I get freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> so, but anyway, outstanding. Um, yeah, I love I love doing this stuff. It makes me so happy. And folks, you heard him giving a great description of everything behind the song called "Why" by Tamara Wilson. Again, if you want to look for that song, just look up Joey Stuckey, and you'll find it. Yesterday, I was answering an email from someone who was talking about getting into podcasting. He had written, quote, if I do this, I would get myself a professional rig for a microphone and was thinking to record the audio over Zoom or some kind of related conferencing system, end quote. In my reply, I wrote back to him, if you're really interested in making the investment, use this link as it's what I recommend and use myself. Mind you, this is someone who's not in music. It's someone just like you, audience member who isn't in music. I was sending him over to the page on the Focusrite website that shows the Vocaster, which is the audio interface specifically for creators, which they just launched six months ago. If he buys the studio bundle, boom, he, as would you, he would go from nothing to a microphone, headphones, and of course the interface, not to mention the software that comes with it. I still say that best of all is the pro audio quality that will deliver tremendous sound for your audience. And I can also say with confidence the ease of use, the plug-and-play nature of the Vocaster. Check it out for yourself, especially if you're thinking, to kick off the new year, I'm going to start a podcast. On my podcast website, nhte.net, use the Focusrite ad, which says tell the world to go over to their site. That ad is in the right-hand column if you're looking at nhte.net on desktop or if you're viewing the site on mobile, scroll way down to below the social media logos and then tap on it to go check out the Vocaster. Joey, I mentioned this in the intro. Quite recently, actually, you were over in the UK. That's not a cheap endeavor. Were you performing <laughs> solo shows over there or did you bring a small band for those shows? That's an excellent question. So I have a philosophy about touring and I believe in this sort of hub and spoke mentality. So I like to go into an area for at least a week and really just take over that area. Uh, when I say an area, usually it means about a 30 to 60 mile radius. And uh, I find a central location of where I need to go and then sort of branch out all around that, that uh, location. The traditional wisdom is something like this. I have 5,000 fans. They've all bought my record. Now I need to go make 5,000 new fans. Mm. When, when in reality, actually you need to go back to those first 5,000 fans again who have supported you already and love what you're doing and, and sell them something else. Mm. However, one does need to break new ground and break new markets and, and, you know, expand the fan base. But that can be expensive. If you're not well-known in the area, it can be really difficult to tour there. So generally speaking, what I do when I'm doing a record is I uh, launch a radio campaign with a professional radio promoter that that's all they do. And uh, then I look at those radio reports and see where we're hot. And then I go to those areas because that's easy for me. Um, but the UK is dear to my heart for a number of reasons. As a sick child, uh, almost all the things that got me excited uh, were British television. Mm. And, you know, I watched it on public, here in the States, I watched it on public television. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I watched Saturday. Saturdays were my magic day that I always <laughs> looked forward to the whole week. I was like, well, I might be in the hospital today, but hey, Saturday, I mean, today's Thursday and it kind of sucks I'm in the hospital, but, uh, you know, Saturday my shows come on. Mm. So, I would watch from about, oh, 4 p.m. to about 3 a.m. Wow. I would watch public television from about 4 p.m. to midnight. Wow. Then switch over to public radio from about midnight to 3 a.m. Mm. And it was all British-related, you know, media. And so I feel like, even as a child, like, I feel like I kind of lived in the U.K. for a while. Mm. Um, you know, and, and so, so... When I go to the UK, I have a weird sense of humor. It's a bit of a gallows <laughs> sense of humor because when you almost die a bunch of times, your sense of humor as a defense mechanism becomes a little dark. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, you know, you, you have to make jokes of the fact that, that you almost died. You can't, you can't let that take you over. You can't let that win. So you have to make light of it, um, you know, within reason. Um, and so uh, I feel like they get me easily over there and they just, they understand my music. They love American blues. They are 
they just love it. Mm. They, they, they take it as almost a delicacy. Uh, and, and they also get all my stupid jokes because my shows are about, <laughs> my shows are about 70% music, 30% stories. Oh. And, uh, cause, cause I mean, really what does a songwriter do? We're sharing stories. Yeah. Um, so I just, you know, I talk about different silly things that happened to me that are pretty, that I think are funny and they, so anyway, but so, so I would do anything to get back to the UK, but what I have to do, as you aptly said, did I take a band that I play? It's expensive to get there. Yeah. And I add add to that complication that I have a metal hip and a metal shoulder, and I cannot fly coach. I, I because by the time I get there after an eight hour flight, I would need a chiropractor to put me back together again. Mm. So I have to fly where I have leg room, which is first class. That's even more expensive. Yeah. And then of course, I have my my lovely seeing eye wife that that uh, <laughs> helps me helps me access things right and so she's she's not only my best friend and, and you know the person I love spending time with but she also makes things accessible in a way that I can't on my own uh-huh. so you have two first class tickets now wow. so anyway and then you've got your guitar yeah right you got your you got your gear so so what you do is you plan for venues that have their own PA mm. so that's that's number one you have to have that okay you you plan for venues that are the right size where a solo acoustic show works. Yeah. So I, I did I did take just myself. Um, and then what you do with those opportunities, we're going back to this idea of leverage we talked about earlier, is you prepare the groundwork so that you can do some shows where they're getting to know you and they're taking a chance on you as a solo artist. Mm. And then you blow their mind with what you can do by yourself and say, <laughs> now, how would you like to have my band uh, play? Okay. Okay, right, I and, see. and so then, then you start getting guarantees. They go, they go. Oh my God, you're amazing. How much better would it be with a band? Wow. Yeah, I mean this in a humble way, but in a very serious way. When I go to a show, I intend for you to be my fan after I'm done. Mm. That is my only goal. My goal is to show you that I have something to 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 make your day just a little bit better. I love it. I mean, I I absolutely am am dead set on giving you a, a night that you'll remember no doubt and that so so because you know i'm 95 percent process you know successful doing that um then then they all said to me when i played they're like we want you back we want you to come on a, we want you to come uh with the band we want we want to pay you more we want we want to promote it you know more we want it we're we're, we're friends we're partners i love it you know Whoever is the bar manager or bar owner or something like that, I take them a T-shirt, I take them a CD, I sign it, I give it to them. I don't, you know, I I, I take pictures with them. I make them part of the experience, and I make new friends. That's my other goal. I mean, what I love is meeting new people and not only sharing my story, but learning their story. So it, it, that that's what that's what I do. And so in this this UK tour was about breaking ground for the band. My only okay. goal this trip was to break even. Right. So my goal was to break even and sow the seeds for bigger and better things to come out with a new record. And that's all well and good. I, I love all that. But, you know, I'm always a big advocate of maximizing a trip, killing two birds with one stone, so to speak. While you were in the UK, you were also doing some speaking. Yes, absolutely. And, and so, again, as as I kind of said earlier, I go into an area and try to sort of take it over. Um, and, and so that everywhere you turn, there's Joey Stuckey, whether you like it or not, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And so, yeah, so I do a lot of master classes. Uh, I do a lot of master classes uh, on branding, and I do master classes on improvisation. Um, mm. I do master classes on voice. I do master classes on music technology and all the different facets of that. Um, my real passion is uh, microphone placement. Uh, the kind of microphones for the right job. By the way, I'm a big fan of the Focusrite stuff. Nice. So uh, that's definitely go use that for your podcasting. That's and by the way, uh, just had a conversation with them a few months ago. And for anyone out there that's visually impaired or blind, uh, the, the that podcast setup is accessible with a screen reader. Nice. Um, so kind of kind of good to know. Uh, anyway, um, but yeah. So I mean, I spoke uh, at Queen Mary University, and they. Uh, helped be an anchor for my trip um, because they paid me for my time. Uh. And, uh, and so, you know, and, and that was amazing. And then because we had such an amazing time like that, we actually had a second, I was going to speak for one day. We actually had a second day where I visited the campus 
and got to um, experience all these amazing research projects they had going on in their music and audio lab and, and got to help them uh, brainstorm on how they could increase uh, you know, the reach of this research. Uh, and that's a whole rabbit hole we can go down, you know, any, any time or some other time. But but it, it was absolutely phenomenal. It was just really an incredible thing. But yeah, you you know, you want to you want to do as many things as you can. I also just say this: while I was in I was in the UK for about seventeen days, roughly, mm. um, I I also went to Paris uh, for a day and a half with just my wife and I with with a backpack each, uh. <laughs> and uh, and and uh, and some of the other things I was doing was working with acquaintances I had made from uh, the Grammy uh, Association, NARAS, and also from the Audio Engineering Society, where I served on a lot of committees. And we were brainstorming um, with, with friends that live in the UK, brainstorming about events and clinics and classes mm-hmm. and all these things, networking while I was in town too. So, you know, the, the friend of mine just moved to Paris he used to live in Malaysia, wow. uh, and that would that was really hard to get to him and visit down there. No he's doubt. a very he's a very well respected uh, Atmos Dolby Atmos recording engineer and mixer, mm. and uh, and so you know um, there were a lot of things that we had to talk about. So you know I used I used the time not only to speak but to also to continue fostering relationships. Yeah, no so doubt. So it was. A hundred percent successful in every way, and I also built in one or two days just to be a tourist. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it's good to hear you being so active. You know, ten days ago on the website, I published a blog titled "No More Excuses: Get After Your Dream," in which I was saying, "Come on, the pandemic has been over for a while now. You can't use that as your excuse to not be out playing live shows anymore or doing whatever it is that you do." as a creator. And then lo and behold, a few days later, I read that COVID is flaring back up and there's, I don't know, a new strain or whatever it is. And Joey, as much as I really had tried to stop asking guests on this show every week, how did you manage the huge hit that doing music took during the pandemic? It is still a factor after all. And you're someone who not only, as we've been hearing, does your own music, but relies on producing other people's music and operating a recording studio, all of which is not good when it something like a nationwide quarantine yeah it's been tough um so there's a couple of factors and and for me it's even more challenging because there's a couple of factors i have to really juggle um so first of all i am a brain tumor survivor and that has left me with a number of difficult challenges not being on the sea is perhaps the most obvious uh but i have no endocrine system so i have no thyroid gland i have no adrenal function mm. um i can literally if i don't watch it go into adrenal shock and die mm. uh, i have to watch that uh when i get up in the morning i have a two-hour routine of taking medicine before i can really get my day started oh. i have to take one i have to take a pill wait 30 minutes take some other pills wait 30 minutes take a, anyway it's this whole thing and and you know it's vexing but i am alive and i am mostly doing what I want to do when I want to do it. Not 100%, but close. And I'll take it. So I, I take great joy in in the fact that I'm able to do what I want to do. And it, it, again, there, there's challenges, there's constant, well, I can't do it this way, maybe I can do it this way. Uh, but, uh, so the pandemic had very real, life-threatening, you know, issues for me. So I have a team mm. of doctors. I have, I have a team of doctors that manage my care. I get a full physical roughly every three months. And so I just told them, I said, look, I have a relationship with you. I trust you guys. Tell me what's safe and what's not safe for me. Mm-hmm. Now, when we first had the pandemic, people just didn't know anything about it. We just hadn't, the, the science was, was, was really new and people didn't know what to do. And the, the thing that I had to do is basically shut everything down, shelter in place, mm. and just hang out. Now, I will tell you, and I love what you said about no more excuses. One of the things I said was, okay, I've got more time. I have a very busy schedule. I have a very restless mind. I have a very restless spirit. I like to be doing things. I like to be moving. I like to be shaking. I like to be doing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I said to myself, I'm going to go nuts if I don't find something to focus on. And releasing, for me, the kind of artist I am, just releasing music to release it and hoping that I'll get 10 billion hits on Spotify is just not going to happen. I'm the kind of artist that builds a loyal, dedicated fan base with a live show. 
Mm-hmm. And, and, and because, I mean, you know, once you see us play, you, you will most likely become a fan. And, and, and then you will want to be part of what we're doing and, and, and you know, want to be part of what I call the Stuckyverse. So, <laughs> so I mean, so, so it, it just doesn't make sense for me to waste, you know, releasing music um, and, and trying to put out a record when I can't tour behind it. Uh-huh. So I decided to lose some weight. Oh. And I lost during the pandemic. I lost a hundred pounds wow. over eighteen months. Wow! And I feel a lot better. Um, I, I got to come off one of my blood pressure medicines. I'm not a glutton. I don't eat lots of stuff. But being a producer, recording engineer is kind of sedentary. Yeah. And also not being able to get your own food, like having to kind of rely on like what's available around you, mm-hmm. is not the healthiest thing in the world. <laughs> and, and, and also, I've got some medicine that makes me sort of retain retain some weight. So anyway. Um, but we, we lost both my wife and I, I think, I think my wife lost 50, 60 pounds mm. and I lost a hundred. Anyway, always find the positive in whatever's going on. But anyway, so for a little while, when we didn't understand the science, where things were very new, we sheltered in place. Then we got our vaccine. You know, that's not right for some people. It was right for me. Uh, a very careful consultation with my doctors, mm-hmm. uh, got the vaccine and then got the the uh, first booster and with that first booster we felt like okay you know we can get out about again and then delta and omicron started kicking people's butt and we're like okay we can't get out about again mm. but what we did do was we had learned enough that we knew how to keep the studio safe and we felt comfortable inviting people back in uh. and we we had a disinfectant routine we had uh, uh, masks in a certain area. We had social distancing. We okay. had hand sanitizer stations all over the studio. Okay. So we felt comfortable starting to bring people back in. But also, a lot of my clients are singer-songwriters and don't play themselves. So typically, my workflow is they send me a recording from their iPhone of them singing. Uh. I create all the music around it and play all the instruments myself. So I play the drums, the bass, the keys. If the keyboard part is – because I'm an adequate keyboard player. I'm not a great keyboard player. I'm just sort of low side of adequate. Um if it's something really complicated, then I hire somebody. <laughs> I was like, hey, uh, you're a genius keyboard player. Come play this keyboard part. You know, so so we were able to to really keep working. After that first year, we were able to start working again. But now that I've had the uh, the, the fourth shot, so the second booster, mm-hmm. um, we mask in crowded areas. Um, I still do that. Most people don't. But for me, it just makes sense yeah, yeah. Uh, because – because I don't get more sick than most people, but if I do get sick, it's like way harder on me. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, so, so that's what we're doing. So we Good. we evaluate every situation very carefully. And in the UK, by the way, I do I do my research. Um, in the UK, vaccination rates were roughly eighty eight percent, which is much greater than the, than the states. Um, and so we felt very comfortable uh, doing that. But again. I just use sensible precautions that make sense for me and my health. Yeah. Uh, you good. know, and everybody, everybody's a little different, you know? Very good. So, but uh, yeah, so that's what we're doing. But like, for example, you know, we're going to spend, I'm doing uh, a tour into January, 2023. I'll be in Chicago. I'll be in Indiana. Then I'll be in LA for Grammy week. Awesome. And you know, we're, we're still going out and about, but again, just like, I'm not, I'm not kissing people in the face and I'm not, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm wearing a mask when it's crowded and you know, I wash awesome. my hands. Awesome. <laughs> I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Macon, Georgia, by award-winning guitarist, songwriter, singer, composer, producer, radio and TV personality, music columnist, educator, and sound engineer, Joey Stuckey. Visit his official website at joeystuckey.com. I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. On his website, you'll see logos for lots of different platforms that Joey and or his music is on. Engage with him on social media through Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and or Instagram. There are even links on his website to connect with Joey on LinkedIn and TikTok. Give Joey a follow on Spotify, but support him by purchasing downloads of his music from iTunes and other online digital music retailers, or click into the music slash store section of joeystuckey.com for options to purchase physical units, vinyl or CDs of some of his releases. This episode is being released on December 22nd, so this weekend is going to come and go, and still you're going to be left with wearing headphones that you're unhappy with, but you will have forgotten to have put that on your Christmas list. Instead of buying yourself new headphones, simply get replacement ear pads from Deconi Audio 
and they will feel like you got new headphones. If you're someone who wears headphones a lot, gamers, musicians, podcasters, audio engineers, and you for some reason just continue to tolerate deteriorating, uncomfortable headphones, stop subjecting yourself to such an unnecessary struggle. Dakoni Audio has a wide range of replacement ear pads, meaning specific to the brand and model headphones you have. So it's not some one-size-fits-all approach. That never ends up being the case anyway. These are the real deal. I know because they helped me out with mine, and it made such a huge difference. On my podcast website, nhte.net, look for the Dakoni Audio logo to see about getting replacement ear pads for your headphones. That logo of theirs is in the right-hand column if you're viewing my website on desktop, or if you're on mobile, scroll way down on nhte.net past the social media logos and you will see it. Tap or click on the Dakoni Audio logo to start your way to more comfort and giving rebirth to your headphones. Joey, let's talk about the mini documentary that I alluded to back in the intro. I watched it very well done. And folks, that is available to watch on Joey's official YouTube channel. Joey, share with the audience all about that, including how the idea came about. You know, it was really a special thing for me because I like to tell stories of adversity so that you can see the triumph. You know, it's, that's, mm. that's, the, that's the goal is, is not to say it life hard. But it's to say, even when it is hard, we can thrive. And the, the honestly, it came about because a friend of mine was miserable at her job. And she was so talented and so gifted when it came to storytelling and videography. And I said, you know, you should be making films. You, you, you know, you, you should be making films. And, and I think the best way for you to move forward would be to go back to school. She had a, she had a, a grad, you know, a BA. I said, the, the best thing would be go back to school, get your master's because that's going to really help you place where you want to be. Um, and she has a real passion for documentaries. And she said, well, Hey, I want my master's thesis to be on you. Hmm. Um, you've been, you have been my stalwart supporter and ally. And you're, you know, she said, you're so inspirational to me and to many other people. And I want to tell, you know, I want to tell some of your story and, you know, it's, it's only 15 minutes. Uh, so it's, it's a short chunk. It's very digestible. I feel. Yeah. And, uh, it's, it's, I call it a, a dipping your toe in the stucky verse. It's, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of a quick, a quick entree into what we're doing, but, um, you know, that was the whole thing and, and, and it was beautiful. And so she wanted to interview, you know, different people around me by my, my wife and, uh, and some of my bandmates. And, um, and so, um, we, we talked about some of the challenges about being in the music business and, and, and being disabled. Now, I, I like to use the word disabled. A lot of people don't like that term. But I like it because I feel like what it means to me without any sort of emotional connotation is it means there's some things I can't do because I have a physical limitation. Mm. And I think it's important to say disabled because, not that I mind visually impaired as opposed to blind, or, you know, I don't get upset about that kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. the reason I prefer blind to visually impaired is because it's a more accurate description of my issue. And I feel like if I can't be honest with you about my needs, how can we come up with solutions? Ah. So, so, so I really feel like language is important. I feel like the words we choose to use are important. And, and so that's why I kind of like disabled. But at any rate, uh, it was it was a blast to do it. We did it during the pandemic. Um, her film crew was her and one other person, and uh, we filmed it at my studio, which is a very controlled location. Mm -hmm. um, and and uh, so we, we we felt comfortable and safe, and and uh, and we we got something you know a, a major project done at a time where things were kind of confusing. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a really 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 great looking. I'm going to say documentary. I want to I want to come up with a bigger, better word because it just is really, really well done. I mean, when you said that that was a thesis project, I thought, my gosh, you could have told me that you hired a professional production crew to do it and that it was just your own idea. And I would have believed you because it was so well done. So hats off to her. I like that you mentioned that she interviewed your wife, among other people, because in the mini documentary, there's a really cool clip of your wife saying that, quote, Joey calls music the closest that we will ever understand to the language of the angels because it doesn't require any translation for anyone, end quote. And I love that perspective, the way it shows us how music really has been 
so ingrained in you for so, so much of your life, Joey. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I say that a lot. I've said that for a billion years. And, you know, the, the, the thing is, I mean, music is a natural extension of my spirit. I don't do music. It, it, it is a requirement of me that I create that art. Um, that is what my spirit needs to thrive. That's what I have to do to be whole and to be my authentic self. So it's not a vocation or even a career. Mm. It, it, it is truly the analogous for, to, to eating, sleeping, breathing. I mean, it just, it has to be done. Wow. Um, which, which is, you know, and I think the, the exciting part about music, you know, it's fun, it's interesting, um, but it really is life changing. Um, when you are going through a hard time, you have this this feeling sometimes that you're alone and that no one can understand what's happening to you. You feel isolated and cut off. And when you hear that song and you say, my God, that person is singing my story, all of a sudden that illusion, that lie of being all alone is shattered. And I think that's the most powerful cathartic thing that can happen to somebody it, it, to, to realize that there are other human beings who, while they cannot 100% understand everything you've gone through, can at least empathize and share with you a, a common ground. And that's why music's so beautiful, and, and, and because it, it does not, you know, I can listen to music with somebody, I don't speak French, but I can listen to someone singing French and still understand at least the emotional story they're mm. telling. Maybe not, maybe not the details. Yeah. But I can at least understand the emotional story they're telling. So that's why it's so amazing to me. But let me ask you this though: there are times when someone is having a moment that is so so emotional. It could be a really bad breakup. Let's go so far as to say a divorce. It could be somebody just died. Sure. And somebody puts on a song. And right away, that person who is having this emotional crisis says, no, 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 not that song. Don't put that on. Turn that off. Yeah. So is that a good thing or a bad thing that all of a sudden some artist, their their song is being turned off because that's going to have a, a negative impact on someone at that particular time? I, I don't I don't worry about that. And I'll tell you why, uh, because you're going to everyone has to deal with life when they're ready. And. I can tell you that from my own experience and, and that of people I know, um, songs that are too painful to listen to, in, in perhaps in the moment, yeah. that changes with time. And so, um, you know, obviously you can have negative connections. I mean, so for example, I'll, I'll take it slightly afield here, but I cannot watch uh, the TV show ER. My wife is an advanced practice nurse and a midwife. And, and so she loves to show ER. It's something she was watching when she was in nursing school. So she has an affection for it because it reminds her of that, that time. Uh -huh. um, I can't stand to hear it because I don't like to hear all the telemetry. Mm. I, all the beeps and alarms and the sounds of the, the, the machines okay. reminds, me, reminds me of all this dying. Sure. And so, so I, have, I have a little bit of an issue uh, with that. I'm like, sweetheart, we can watch House because that's mostly about him being you know, crazy the medical stuff's kind of the side point, really. Mm -hmm. um, but but we cannot watch ER. You know, I, I, I can watch one episode, maybe two, but I can't binge watch it. But is the creator of ER going to be disappointed and go, darn, I didn't think of people like that that won't want to watch? Or is it, you know what, Bruce, those of us that are like that, we're so fear and far between. They know that they can't, that they can please some of the people some of the time, but they can't please all the people all the time. Well, I think I'll answer that in two ways. I always believe in being thoughtful and and. Of, of others and try to understand where they're coming from, but you can't anticipate everything. Okay. So I would, I would say to that, you know, always try to be kind, always try to be thoughtful, but realize that you're not perfect and that's okay. And give yourself a little grace. Okay. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I, mean, I mean, as a blind person, I experienced uh, ramps and handrails in bathrooms and thought that my brothers and sisters in wheelchairs were taken care of. It wasn't until I was in a wheelchair myself that I realized that was an illusion and that there's really a lot of accessibility issues with, for wheelchairs. And so I was educated uh, by having that experience, but, but it's okay that I didn't know better before um, because it, it, it wasn't my heart not to be, you know, 
But you're talking about accessibility, though. I want to stay there because in the podcast world, actually, I can just say in the creator world, we have heard a lot more about accessibility. What is being done to make things like podcasting or you mentioned filmmaking or being a YouTuber and so on more accessible on the creator side and or on the audience side. In fact, I I have had quite an education myself. One of my clients, she's an author and I'm her publicist. She is deaf. And so that has been a valuable experience for me to go through. Joey, you have experienced this way as it relates to accessibility for music technology for the disabled. Yeah. So I've been on that journey since I got in the business. And only in the last five years or so have we made some really impressive strides. And, you know, my heart is for when I talk about disability, I, talk, I want to think about people that are deaf, that are blind, that have motor issues, uh, people that, that are in wheelchairs. But my expertise, of course, is, is being blind. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I do every day. Uh, so I know mostly about that stuff. Um, but, you know, it is amazing. I'm, a, I'm an accessibility advocate and an accessibility you know, educator, and, and I do a lot of work. In fact, when we were talking about Queen Mary earlier in, in the UK trip, I was there in their lab and blown away with some of the rehabilitation tools they had using music for people that were stroke victims, mm. um, all kinds of amazing ideas. Um, so right now, you know, uh, accessibility for the blind, of course, is my focus. One of the, one of the problems we have is Dolby Atmos is becoming a major player in the audio marketplace. And it's currently completely inaccessible for blind audio and music professionals mm. uh, because the interface is so graphical. And there are essentially three, well, there's essentially right now, there's the primary way that blind people have access to any kind of digital technology uh, is through what's called a screen reader. And these are imperfect uh, programs. And one of the problems is that they're they're sandwiching themselves between the operating system and the third party uh, application. And because, you know, the majority of the world is sighted, um, it just never occurs to most of these people that, maybe a blind person would want to use their product. Mm. So that's why I talk about starting the conversation. When you're talking about trying to build accessibility into you know, a product, it's real hard to retrofit things and make something accessible as an afterthought. So what you, what you and, and it's really cost prohibitive to do that. I'm a small business owner, I get it. Uh, you know, it takes about two to three years to bring a product to market. It then has a limited shelf life. And, and then if you're trying to retrofit something that has a limited shelf life, it, it's just a losing proposition uh, for everybody. I see, I see. So, so I am saying I don't care about RX-9 from Isotope, for example, although they're pretty good with accessibility, but let's just <laughs> pretend they're not. Um, if they, so I don't care about RX-9. Let's talk about RX-10 I or see. RX-11. I see. And let's build the accessibility in from the ground up. So the screen readers use things called scripts to try and help the screen reader know what's on the screen, but you know, somebody has to write those scripts. It's not particularly hard from a coding standpoint, but it is laborious and time consuming. And most companies feel like they cannot afford to pay someone as an accessibility expert, full-time, you know, full-time position. Uh, and then, so, so I am desperately wanting us to leave the screen reader, uh, you know, they'll still have their place, but to, to, to not focus on the scripts, I want to move into, and, and this is what I've been sort of preaching uh, from from every platform that I have. I want us to move into haptics, which is tactile information being given, and that is also not only good for blind folks, but good for sighted people as well, because it truly would allow people to multitask. Oh. Um, so when when your phone vibrates, it tells you you have a text message. That's a haptic. Um, so tactile displays, not necessarily braille displays, but tactile. If you've got a joystick in your hand and it vibrates when you're in the upper left-hand corner of the screen to tell you that you're in that corner, uh, that's that's a happy. Now, there's okay. no one has done that yet, but that these are the things I'm thinking yeah. about. But finally, the biggest piece of the puzzle to me is artificial intelligence, AI. Yeah. Uh, with with machine learning, we should be able to have companies give us definitions of their uh, plugins or their or their programs. And every time a user encounters a new situation uh, and, and that user comes up with a solution to that situation, automatically everything gets smarter with, through, mm. through cloud sharing and machine learning. Right now they're doing it with driverless cars. Um, and while there are a lot of 
moral and ethical and legal considerations that need to be hashed out with driverless cars. I'm generally in favor of it mm-hmm. uh, because it, it would give me more autonomy. But what's happening now is if you've got 100 cars and one car experiences a traffic situation that hasn't been programmed for it, when it solves that traffic conundrum, all the other cars get that update so they don't have to learn that themselves. Ah. So I think I think AI, when it, when it comes to accessibility, is going to be or should be a big player. But, you know, it's odd. A lot of people haven't thought about that when it comes to accessibility. So um, to the best of my knowledge, you know, I'm the only person really talking about that. But but people are starting to go, hey, that's a pretty good idea. Let's explore it. So yeah, I'm pretty excited. About no that. doubt. No doubt. Well, just two more questions, and then we'll wrap up with another one of your songs. But you had mentioned earlier about some touring that you'll be doing next year. Let's go ahead and shift over to your original music and the album that you'll be releasing in 2023. What stage is that at? Are there any details you're at liberty to share right now? Yes. Yeah, so the the new record is exciting for me. Um, it, it's kind of halfway done, uh, and I've got a few little finishing touches to put on it, but I'll very briefly tell you the things that really excite me about it. First of all, there are primary, primarily songs that I, that I co-wrote. Uh, there are some that are just me, but there's a lot of co-writing on this record. And it's, it's, I'm really excited because you're going to get to hear some dear friends of mine uh, and, and what we created together. That's always exciting. And also, one of my dearest friends passed away in 2017. And a couple of the songs of this record are our, our demos, and they're good demos. Ah. Um, but they're... You know, obviously he he's not around to complete the work anymore, and uh, so I'm always excited to share these songs with people uh, because I think they're unique. I think they're powerful. Interesting, um, and and it makes me excited that I'm still sharing his legacy, keeping that alive. Absolutely. So that that's a dear friend of mine from the UK named Charlie Hoskins, who was in a band called The Popes, which was a sort of a split off of the band called The Pogues. <laughs> so there's some interesting stuff there, but also. I read a book called Atomic Habits, and one of the things it says that you can do is to try and make a 1% improvement on everything you do. Hmm. That's, not, that's not too much. You know, when you try to make these huge sweeping changes, those are hard to maintain. Mm-hmm. But when you make small incremental changes, they're easier to manage. And so there's, I won't go down the rabbit hole with this, but anyway, they give you some really great examples of how you can do that. So I, I tried to think to myself, where is it that I feel is a weakness of mine that I can improve? Ah. And the answer to that is the graphic design of the album cover. Huh. I'm a blind man. I just don't care. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> I mean, like, like the artwork means nothing to me, right? Yeah. And, and, and you know, for the last couple of years, so I asked a few very trusted friends, um, what do you think of my album covers? Or, and, and, you know, I asked a few very trusted friends, what do you think I could do differently that would improve uh, people's willingness to take a listen to the music? Yeah. And, and, you know, it all came back with your album covers are okay. They're not terrible. They're not great. So I set off on a quest during the, the pandemic to find someone who would take the time to sit down with me and really dig into what the album was about and how they could visually represent that. Cause I, I don't know how to do that. I like it. And, uh, and so I did that. And, uh, and, and this gentleman, Del- Darren Melchiori is, he has done Melissa Etheridge album covers. Wow. Uh, he's done some really amazing work. Um, and, and he and I sat down and, you know, uh, it's, it's the most money I've ever spent on a record cover, but he doesn't just grab a photo and slap it in Photoshop. And yeah. you're done. I mean, he yeah. went out, he went on the beach and did all these different design ideas and took different pictures and I mean, all this stuff. Okay. Well, don't, this is becoming a spoiler alert. So let's just tell everybody, look for Joey's new music in 2023 yeah, I'm because gonna, I'm uh... not going to tell you any more about the cover. <laughs> yeah. But it, it really wasn't, it was an exciting process. Okay. It was an exciting process. So that's what I'm really excited about with the new record. This is fun too, Joey. Your face was on the side of a bus. <laughs> what, what was that yeah. what was that all about how did that come to be so you know i'm the official music ambassador in my hometown of macon georgia and if you don't know macon georgia you'll know some of the artists that called at home otis redding little richard uh the almond brothers were here for a while wet willie a real southern rock uh capital and um i've been here for a long time working hard to improve my community and so i have been um honored with being on the side of a bus the the macon transit authority uh, has an electric bus that they're very proud of. They've got three of them now. Ah. And they decided to decorate one of them 
with uh, artists who are important to Macon's history. So the Almond Brothers are on there. Mm. Uh, two of the members of REM are from Macon. Mm. Um, so several people like that are on the bus, and I was included in that in that uh, sort of august company. Wow. And I was very thrilled by that. And I'll tell you the, the best part about it. The best part, and I don't know if this is by design or accident. I want to think it's design. But my picture is directly below the driver's side window. <laughs> and I feel like a blind man kind of helping the driver in, you know, steer. I, I love the irony of this. I love, I love this, just how stupid that is. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's beautiful. So, but it's funny because people are like, man, I, I, I see your picture every day now. It's like, I see this picture of you zooming by me every day on this bus. So it's, it's wild. It, it makes me feel like Frazier. I mean, I'm, I'm dating myself here, but like, yeah, Frazier had his picture on the side of a bus. So I kind of feel, kind of feel like I've reached a certain milestone now. <laughs> the downside, though, is people are going to go, hey, the bus driver. And you're like, yeah, okay, yeah. I get it. That's funny. But I'm really trying to be known for my music here. Come on, give me a break. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll take infamy however it comes. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that is ironic, though, that you're in such good company. You know, oh, the Allman Brothers are on there, and so is Joey Stuckey. And then you go, oh, by the way, they have me below the driver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just love that. Like I say, I want to I want to think it's by design. Uh, but then again, it's kind of fun if it's not, because that just means the universe is talking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the other cool yeah. thing is you do have a tremendous sense of humor, and so it's almost fitting that they put it there and that it is kind of something humorous because that hey, really if, embodies more of who Joey Stuckey is. I, it's on brand. And I'll tell you the truth. If I'd had a choice that I would have asked for it, but I didn't even occur to me. <laughs> it didn't even occur to me to ask for it. But if I had thought about it for two seconds, like, hey, can you put my picture in the driver's window? <laughs> I mean, that's, I, love I love it. it. Yeah. I think it's amazing. We're going to close today with another one of Joey's original songs, a track called One Song at a Time. Joey, before I let you go and I play that song, share with the audience all about this one, if you would, please. Yeah, so it's uh, this song is all about hope. Uh, It's all about how music can bring us together. It's about how music can heal. It's all about that. And and my someone asked me uh, once what I wanted uh, when all was said and done. I'm no longer on this earth. And the answer to that was very simple. I didn't have to think about it. And the answer is. I want to leave this, the world a little better than I found it. And I'm willing to do it one person at a time and one song at a time. Ah. And so that's what this song is all about. I love it. I love it. Wow. Wow. Joey, a fantastic episode as I knew that it would be. It's so great to have you back and we'll be watching to see when the new album comes out in 2023, but happy new year to you. And thank you so you much too, for coming friend. back on now here, this entertainment. I enjoyed it. it. It has been my privilege. Thank you, Bruce. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to award-winning guitarist, songwriter, singer, composer, producer, radio and TV personality, music columnist, educator, and sound engineer, Joey Stuckey. Do visit his official website at joeystuckey.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Remember to connect with Joey on social media. There are links on his website, for Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, and even for LinkedIn and TikTok as well. Be sure to also give him a follow on Spotify, although please support him by purchasing his music from iTunes or other similar online digital music retailers. As I mentioned earlier, in the music-slash-store section of joeystuckey.com, there are options to purchase physical units, CDs, and vinyl of his original music. Of course, be sure to tell Joey that you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. Folks, I hope you enjoyed the interview and that you like the show itself. If you want to extend a gesture to let me know as much, go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and look for the yellow logo there that says, Buy Me a Coffee, and do exactly that. It would mean a lot to me because it tells me that you like what I'm putting out each week. It does not matter where you're located. It's a way that we can have a hot beverage together virtually. You can even put a personal note on there for me to see. That's going to do it for episode 462. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Joey Stuckey. This is the one he just talked about. It's called One Song at a Time. This is where I'll start. This is where I'll end Heavy is my 
One song at a time 